In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world, a warm welcome to you. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and you are listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. And today we're blessed. We're blessed to have Ted, Ted Taylor from the Family Promise in Phoenix. So, Ted, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thank you. So, Ted, you know, jumping, uh, jumping straight in, here we are in uh, sunny Phoenix, uh, temperatures rising, uh, uh, very important to have shelter somewhere uh, cool to, to survive, to, to, uh, not even to th- thrive, but just to survive. And so uh, that's something that I know that uh, family promise has uh, an important part to play with. But uh, enough words from me. Tell us, go from the base, from the ground up. What is Family Promise all about? Well, uh, I want to begin with giving glory to God because for me, this organization, Family Promise, is inspired. I believe it with all my heart uh, for many reasons, but um, we are a very different kind of shelter uh, Family Promise started 1984 when Karen Olson, a dear friend, um, was helping a family in a park in New York City, realized they was, she was just helping with food that they needed some place to stay. And she didn't have anywhere that she could readily provide. So it disturbed her. She went back to her hometown summit, New Jersey, and decided she wanted to build a shelter. So she called a community meeting. 200 people showed up to the meeting, and I remember her telling me that she realized early on in that meeting she would never build a shelter, that the congregations, the faith community that showed up would provide a a week-at-a-time shelter, both the bedrooms and the meals at the churches, and that on Sunday they would go to the next congregation, then the Sunday to the next congregation, and so— it became at that time what was known as an interfaith hospitality network. Hmm. That is the beginning of Family Promise. The reason I say it's inspired is many things have happened since, but let's just be really clear. There are 7,000 congregations doing this right now across the nation. 7,000. 7,000. Wow. Praise God. Oh, man. Oh, man. So from one... To 7,000. So t- t- tell us more. So um, in 1998, two Rotarians here in the Phoenix area and a homemaker, Charles Emerson, Bob Withers, and Mitra Kazi, had heard about this interfaith hospitality network in Indiana. So they went to Indiana to see it. How does this work? And they liked it. They thought, this is possible. We, maybe we can do this in Phoenix. So they came back here, decided they'd start a nonprofit. So Rotary mm. here in Phoenix were the first to invest in creating an interfaith hospitality network. It took two years to recruit 13 congregations. 
So in the spring of 2000, they welcomed the first families into Family Promise. And so uh, many things have happened since then to bless this organization. Today we have five sites across the valley. Um, We shelter in 54 different congregations across this valley. So many things have happened to bless this organization. So, so, so tell me more. So we have the, uh, a, a family who is facing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, what, what, what's your mission? Is it, it obviously to provide a place for them to live and yeah. uh, flesh that out for me? All right, sure. Our primary goal is to return families back to self-sufficiency. Oh, man. And so the way we do it is so unique. We are the only interfaith hospitality network in the Valley for families. There is one for singles, but for families. And the way we do it is this miraculous love immersion. So what happens is these congregations, we send four families to a congregation at night. We shuttle them there in a van, Mm -hmm. 15-passenger van. Their bedrooms are already prepared at the congregation. Mm. They know their names. They know the kids. All the beds are made. We provide the beds. They're Coleman blow-up mattresses. Okay. They provide the blankets, pillows, and everything. So they arrive. They usually leave their stuff with us. Yeah. They'll arrive there, put their stuff in that room. This is the first time they've had a room of their own for a while in most cases. And then dinner is served at 6 o'clock. And dinner is, I'll give you an example. My wife and I do it often still. We cook at home. We barbecue chicken Mm. and uh, make baked potatoes and all that. And we bring it to the congregation for about 20 people. Yeah. We sit down uh, with the families for dinner. So it's the way we like to say it at Family Promises. We invite the families of the church to sit with our families to share the meal. And the beauty of that, too, is that children don't understand homelessness the way adults do. They're just kids playing. Ah. So it's such a beautiful thing what happens at that meal. And I do want to make this clear, Julian. I think it's super important that in my career, long business career, I never really was involved in a dual mission organization. But this is that. It goes like this. We're not just helping families to be rescued from homelessness with the help of congregations. But we're helping congregations live out their faith. And that dual mission is incredibly powerful. It's why it has grown so much. Even during the pandemic, when everything is falling apart, Mm -hmm. family promise continues to strengthen. I believe there is something profound in this mission that he has brought me to. And uh, I love it. It's so, it works so well. It is the way we describe it. It's a love immersion program. Mm. Except, you know, what you said is extremely important, you know, because clearly there are, there's a party here who are in need. You know, they're, they're facing homelessness. Uh, you know, and if, if, if you don't have a place where you can be safe, secure, you can put, put your items, you can relax, you can rejuvenate for the next day's work or so forth or school or whatever, then, then you know, you know you're, you're, you're instantly behind, you're instantly in difficulty. And so providing uh, uh, people who are in need with this place and food, and, uh, but as you said, there's two things, there's relationship. You know, so 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 that fact of you know not not only is there a room you know and some food, uh, but we're your friends. 
You know, we're here to, to journey with you. You know, you are of worth. You know, and the, and the way, of course, you know, for, for helping people is material. You know, material is good. Uh, but that relationship of you, you are worth spending time with. You know, we're, we're here to, to be your friend. It's, it's so big because all of us, whether we don't have any money or whether we are multimillionaires, we want someone to love us. We want someone to care for us and, and befriend us, you know. And when someone's genuine, when they haven't got uh, a horse in the race, you know, or to use an, an English term, you know, when they're not trying to get something out of you, but they want to be your friend. I mean, that that there is divine. I no doubt. And and let's be clear, the number one thing people lose when they become homeless is community. Mm. They lose their friends their co-workers, their family, Mm -hmm. they lose their community. So the piece that we're rebuilding is their community, Mm -hmm. their relationships. I believe that the miracle of family promise is really a visual miracle. Let me share it with you this way. When you take families that, uh, and let's just define it a little bit, 80% single mothers with young children, That's family homelessness. Homelessness in America is almost 40% families, but you don't see them. They don't hang out on street corners. They don't beg for money. There's many reasons for that. But they're single mothers with very young children on average. 80% have never been homeless before. So when you take a family like that and you put them in a hosting congregation, church, synagogue, God willing, someday mosque, What happens is their sole mission is to love them, hospitality, get to know them. When you do that, the children begin to change. So what happens, if uh, the way the mothers talk to me about it is they can handle homelessness, but they can't handle watching their children in homelessness. So when the children begin to restore It's fundamentally the love of the congregations. As much as I love our staff and our facilities and everything, it's this congregational love that changes everything soon, usually a few days. The children can't wait to go back to the congregations at night. And that's the beauty. So here's the – I told you there's a miracle in here. When you leave a family at a congregation for seven nights in a row, so we bring them there every night, we pick them up every morning – We do the day work. They do the evening work and night work. On Sunday morning, something profound happens. You see, our average family is only in shelter five weeks. Maximum stay is two months. Our average congregation only hosts every three months. So on Sunday morning, when they're getting ready to leave for the last time, that evening they'll go to a different congregation. Everybody knows. Mm that they will likely never, ever see each other again. Mm. And the tears between our families and the volunteers, I believe that's the miracle. Mm. I believe that's what's really happening at Family Promise is the love of congregations is healing our children, and that's what heals our parents. And then we, of course, provide a lot of programming to help them get into employment, to get wraparound services, to get into housing. We do many things, but it is that essence that makes us who we are. Because I, I want to come back to that uh, in a minute. But what, what you were saying as well was, you know, the, the, it, it's a two-way blessing uh, 
you know, when when the hand is extended out with no expectation of something in return, that God uh, steps in and transform. There's a transformation happening within the the uh, the giver, you know, uh, as well. You know, so they 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 receive. You know, of course, it's in a sense of that they're not doing it to receive, but when they actually put love, offer love, um, that that person is being transformed through the process. The church matures. The church becomes more more unified uh, when it's serving rather than when it's just, just listening, you know. And so, uh, you know, rather than having the theological uh, head knowledge, having that go down to the heart and being put into practice is what's maturing uh, God's church into it, closer to him, closer to the peace that transcends all understanding and the fulfillment and also enabling them to to to, to do more mm-hmm. but uh so so uh, you know t- tell me more uh, uh, what you're saying about um you know so but there's the the homeless situation but then you you went on further in regards to uh, discussing finding employment and those things as well. So, mm-hmm. so give us a little bit more about that because I love the word that you use was self sustainability. You know, aiming for self sustainability, mm-hmm. and uh, so, so t- tell us more about that. Well, I mean, let's be really clear. If you don't know this about Family Promise, we're a rigorous program, so we're not an easy program. We are all about getting back into work. Mm. And getting back into your own self-sufficiency in housing, sustainable housing. So, for example, we wrap, we connect them to food, to health care, to child care. Really important so that when they graduate from Family Promise, they're well protected. Mm. Secondly, we teach them how to get work, how to manage cash 15 weeks in the future ahead of now so we can solve problems before they get to now. Mm. That's a theory at Family Promise that works really well. And then, of course, we help them connect them, just like you would with your own family, connect them to resources like housing. Where is the housing? How do I navigate the process? That's part of what we do. But I want to I be – I think there's a point here that's really important, and I think it goes to the heart of Family Promise, which is our role, even though we're rigorous, is to stand beside our families. It's, it's, it has to be an authentic. You can't fake out families, let me tell you. If you think you can, it won't last very long. They figure you out very quickly. But you authentically stand behind them, which means that even though we're, we're not necessarily stand behind them, pushing them or trying to pull them forward, we're trying to let them know that we are with them, mm. that we are there for them, and we're going to be there for them. Yeah. Not just while they're in the program, but for two years after they're in the program. We still have families that are connected to us. So I thought, you know, this might be an interesting time for a little bit of a story about what happens at Family Promise. Let me give you an example. So I, when I started, there were two employees at Family Promise. And so I'm the emergency call, right? And so one morning, often the case. I get this call 5.30 in the morning, and usually at 5.30 in the morning, it's not an emergency. It's something else. But it was the emergency phone. And it's Marsha. I don't know Marsha, client, but I didn't know her. And she says, "Um, I'm supposed to have surgery this morning. And my friend called at 3 a.m. and said she can't take me or can't pick me up. And I said, okay, I was kind of thinking, oh, my goodness, what is – and she said, would you pick me up from surgery? 
something said to me in my heart, you know, maybe I should do this. I mean, I, it's kind of an odd request. So I said, yes. So we, I said, when? 7.30, here's the location. So I drove to the location. I remember walking into this, it was a outpatient surgery center. And I walked in and there's all kinds of people there. And I said who I was. And I remember, I didn't know her. And she said, it'll be, and the receptionist says it'll be about 7.30, she'll be out. So at 7.30, she comes the receptionist says, or the nurse, she says, come back. And she takes me into this room. And there's this woman here by the name of Marsha. Again, I didn't know her. Mm. I, I find it interesting because I'm an older man, and this is a young African-American woman. Mm-hmm. And the, surger, the nurse says to me very clearly, she's likely not going to remember the things I'm going to tell you. So I need you to remember them. Oh, part of what happens with anesthesia Aesthetics. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So she tells me all about the things that she's going to have to be mm. careful about. Mm. I remember saying to myself, I better not forget any of this. Mm. I better remember this. This is really important. So I remember helping Marsha with the nurse to get into my truck to take her back to her house. And I thought to myself at that moment, she had nobody. She called me because she had to have surgery and nobody was going to be there. And it sort of tugged at my heart because you don't know, but I don't have children. Always wanted children. And, and this woman, who would have been like a child to me, was in desperate need of somebody to just show up to be there for her. Mm-hmm. And you see... There's an irony in this story, which was that 15 years earlier, I had to have surgery in North Carolina, and nobody was there for me. I took a cab, and the cab driver agreed to be my my chaperone back home. Mm -hmm. There was some reason why I was there that day, to be there for that person, for Marsha. And I think at the end of the day, that's part of what Family Promise is all about. It's for us to be there to be there in their time of need when everybody else has fallen away. Marcia never forgot what happened that day, mm. and nor have I. The blessing to be called to stand in, to be there for somebody in their deepest time of need, mm-hmm. is profoundly important. Mm. So it's just an example of the role that we play. You're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories, and today we're blessed to have Ted Taylor, Ted Taylor from Family Par- uh, Promise of uh, Greater Phoenix. And so, Ted, you know, as you were saying, you know, it's, it's that just having someone there, you know, knowing that we're not alone, you know, as, uh, as humans, you know, we're, we're, we're social beings, you know, often antisocial, but, but social in the sense of uh, wanting to know that someone loves us, wanting to know that there's someone there, you know. And we, we've probably all felt that, that at some point in our time alone, you know, uh, I remember like one time uh, I felt that. And I was just like, I don't know anyone in this city. <laughs> you know, there's no one here. You know, and so just, but, 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 so having someone hold you by the hand, metaphorically speaking, and saying, I'm here with you is huge. And so, so give us some more um, so, examples of, of the organization. How, how have you, I mean, for, well, let me backpedal because to me, it's still blowing my mind the 80% figure, a statistic. So give, give, give that again. 
80 percent, it's actually the number is 84 percent of all homeless families are single mothers with young children. In Phoenix or in, in America? Both in Maricopa County and yeah. in America. It's the same number. And here's the irony of that. Uh, people have often asked me, because the role that I play, what has caused all of this? Let me give you some data. 1960, when I was born, intact families were 70 percent. Mm. Today, intact families are 49 percent. African-American families intact is 29 percent. What has happened is the family has fallen apart. And I, I brought a story with me that I want to share with you because it's profoundly important, this part of this story. So I was at the day center one day, so uh, when we only had one day center, and this little boy came up to me. Uh, I subsequently learned his name was Tyree. So Tyree came up to me and wanted to hold my hand. But his mom wasn't around, her parents weren't around, so I didn't know, quite know what to do. Sure. So I'm just sure. kind of interacting a little bit with Tyree, and finally I decided I'd fist bump him. So I put my fist out, and he fist bumps me. <laughs> and I figured that'd be it, but he keeps following me. Mm. And so I fist bumped him again and again, and I thought, you know, I better just go find the parents. You know, I better figure out what's going on. So I go walking around, I finally found, and it was mother, single mom. And... Uh, everything was fine, and I said to her, why is he following me around so much? And she said, you know, Tyree has no man in his life. So whenever he gets around a man, he just wants to be around him. He wants to hold their hand. There's some real irony here. Because you see, I was never blessed with children. My wife and I grew up in large families and all we wanted were children. Mm. And until the Lord called me to this role, I didn't understand why I couldn't have children. But shortly after my call, which was clear as day to me, I realized that he had built this hunger in me. So I wanted to just give you something parenthetical that I have said about Tyree. Tyree, I always dreamed of a little boy who would hold my hand and even when he got older. But Debbie and I, my wife, could never have kids. Tyree, I will protect you here at Family Promise. You deserve to feel safe and my parents protected me no matter how tough things got. Tyree, you are deeply loved, not by just your mother, but by God and by me. I want you to know that you are precious and that your little hand sings volumes to my heart. Tyree, your mother told me you didn't have a dad, but you have a mom who loves you more than life itself, and she's fighting to keep you in her loving arms. We're all here fighting for you, Tyree, because you are just one year old, and it's just not fair that you are homeless. I believe, Julian, that all of us have a Tyree in our lives, somebody who just wants us to hold their hand and tell them it's going to be okay. I was blessed with Tyree to be shown that. But I share it with you because that's what, that's what homelessness is about today in America. 
the number one fear of all families who become homeless is their children are going to be taken away. And one-third of children who are in homeless families will be taken away. So they don't want to be seen. They're scared. That's the role that we play. Well, amen. You know, so as you say, you know, if, if something happens to us, it's, it's bad, it's tragic. But when it's to our children as well, we, we can't help with our children. So in 30 seconds. Yes. How, uh, first of all, give us the, the website address. FamilyPromiseAZ.org. And uh, how, can, uh, how can people be helping you and the team support at Family Promise? First, if, you got a, if you're in a, participating in a church or synagogue or mosque, we would love to talk with you about hosting at your facility. Come and visit us. Get to know us. We have many opportunities. We have over 3,000 volunteers a year. We would love to have you help. And finally, if you want to help us out financially, we would love that as well. You can give on the website. We do are qualified as an Arizona Charitable Tax Credit Organization. That's another way you could help us. So thank you. Ted Taylor from Family Promise. FamilyPromiseAZ.org. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on the Kingdom and its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.